You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, anyway, Aston Villa won, West Ham won. Um, Villa come away from the London Stadium and have a missed opportunity, I think, uh, to, to to take all three points from that game. Um, West Ham clearly had a game plan. It was to get Saeed Ben-Rama in a, in, on the ball at every single opportunity they could while he was on the field, and they did that quite well. Um, he had quite a lot of chances, and they, they played well through the lines, I thought, thought in parts. Uh, West Ham, Aston Villa having a lot more of the possession for, for vast periods of time in that game. But when West Ham piled on the pressure, they were uh, getting corners, and Villa, I thought, were... Like, it was a free-for-all of corners for a lot of, a, a lot of that game. And it's been that's been something... That's been something the Villa have had to contend with uh, all season. They've not been very good at defending corners. Um, and it just looks like it's been exacerbated again today. A lot of wrestling going on in the box. Their goal or the penalty initially comes from a corner. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it, it just feels like there's a missed opportunity there today. But a point, point down the road. We still keep our, uh, the only time we've been beaten on the road this uh, since Emery's come in is against Manchester City. Uh, I know a lot of people would be, would be incensed that we didn't, we didn't win this game. I'm, there was there was a lot we could have done better in this game. Like Leon Bailey for me wasn't like every time the ball went to him, it broke down. I found him increase finding him increasingly infuriate, infuriating. I found him very infuriating um, today. Uh, a couple of opportunities he had, and, and we just didn't make it stick in there. But we there was Bubakar Kamara was noticeable absentee. I thought today, just in that area, he sits in the middle of midfield and can can dictate the pace of the play. Um, Alex Moreno was uh, was on fire with his uh, overlapping runs. I thought he was really good, bit bit suspect at times in 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 defending and, and um, you know maybe picking out that wrong pass. But I I think he's uh, I I think like he his cross for the goal was absolutely superb. 
absolutely superb. We can talk about that. We can like that. That cross was fantastic. That header from Ollie Watkins was was really good header as well. Uh, he headed it down and down into the ground. I don't think he fully knew where it was going. He scored a goal similar recently as well. Um, can't remember who it was against, but uh, he did it. Did the right thing. Headed it down into the ground. But a wonderful cross from Alex Moreno puts us one nil up. And I think that the Villa team, uh, like w- we could see that we were a lot more. I'm not going to say assured in possession, but we were a lot more comfortable at wanting to be a possession-based team. Does that make sense? Because we did give away the ball silly at times. Um, Jacob Ramsey in the early part of the first half gave away the ball quite a bit. Leon Bailey gave away the ball. When Chambers came on, he gave away the ball quite a bit as well. But look, you know, we're, we're a work in progress from that point of view. And I think the team is now beginning to understand that that, that possession-based piece, uh, when they were able to do it in this game today, I thought was... Uh, they, they looked like they were more sure of what they were supposed to do, um, albeit that we did give away the ball uh, at times. Um, I, I'm happy with the point, but I can still, like, once again, the phrase, two, two things can be true at the same time is, I'm happy with a point, but, um, you know, it does feel like a missed opportunity with some of the situations that we had. Because when we talk about the situation and, and, and the talking point of the game really is, Leon Bailey gets a small bit handsy in the box and Paqueta dives. I think, like, Paqueta doesn't get fouled. I think it's fair to say Paqueta doesn't get fouled, but he goes down. And there's hands on him, and the referee is very, very straight away, points to the spot, and VAR don't overturn it. That's, you know, that's fine. I said it's a soft penalty. He's seen him given, I think, the ball going away. Like, they were both going away from, from goal. Bailey doesn't need to put his hands on him. That's on Bailey for me. That's on Bailey. I think, and, and, People will have a different opinion on it. They'll say the Paqueta dive. That's fine. But, but but Bailey, it's on Bailey. It's a soft one. Declan Rice goes through the back of Buendia. Whether it's clumsy, whether it's whether it's uh, um, you know big man, small man tackle, I don't care. It's it's no less clumsy than what what um, what Leon Bailey did. And one is given, and one isn't given. And then Declan Rice goes over and roars into Buendia's face, which is absolutely classless. Um, I think that I think Villa's penalty should have been given. And you know, I know that people will will say that you know we come on here and we talk about we give out about referees and stuff like that. But I think Villa's penalty should have been given. I think it should have been. And I think it's a talking point about the game. So if we're going to sit here and if we're going to say, oh, we're not talk about that because we don't want to be saying this again and again and again, then what are we doing here? You know? And we can debate the semantics about, about what well, was a clumsy tackling, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth. Bailey's was feather light, the touches uh, that he gave for Paqueta. Paqueta goes down facing away from goals. And the other one wasn't. And I just can't understand what the what the like like what what are they looking for? And I'm not saying that they, like I'm happy with the one all draw in a way. Like I'm happy we didn't lose. I feel that we could have won. But the talking point for me is that that VAR decision was poor. It's not an excuse as to why we didn't win the game. It's just about calling balls and strikes. That's what it's called in the United States. You got to call it. If if I feel that was a penalty, and I think that I think that most of you guys would agree with me. I haven't looked at the um I haven't looked at the comments here yet, but I think most of you would agree with me that like 
why can't we figure these things out with VAR and VAR's interpretations and opinions? Why are they so varying from week to week, from minute to minute, from incident to incident? Why do they vary so much? Is it like, is there any point in having VAR when the referee's decision is also can also have human error and VAR can have human interpretation slash human error? I just like I know we go on about it the whole time, but it's just infuriating. And it really is. It's really, really, really is. Um, but apart from that, like we did write our look an awful lot of times uh, with, with crosses into the box. We we were Emmy Martin, as I thought, played really well today. There was one uh, underrated take he took when he, when he kind of took a little bit of a boot. Uh, came, ben Rama came down the left-hand side, kind of uh, jinked inside and went across the ball and it was deflected. And it looked like it was an easy take, but he had to take it and he had to go into traffic. And I think he got a bit of a boot into the chest for it. But I thought Emmy Martinez was pretty good today. Um, I thought Emmy Martinez was pretty good today. I thought he was actually really good today. He made some good saves. He made a great save from Ben Rama as well. Tipped it over the bar for a corner. And, and uh, I just thought he looked very assured. Uh, but we still don't look like we have any confidence in ourselves from corners. Um, and I know there was a lot of pulling and dragging from both sides going on there. I know there was a lot of shenanigans at corners. But like when we gave away the penalty from a corner, you'd think that the edict in there would come in, something would come in to the, for, amongst the players and say, right, listen, look, we just need to be really, re really resolute here. And I suppose the fact that we, we didn't have any other kind of massive mishaps from corners after that, I think is a, is, is a positive. So maybe I'm being overly harsh there. Maybe I'm being overly harsh. I don't know. You guys let me know. Let's see what your comments are there because I'm I'm at risk of going on a 40-minute tirade here if I don't uh, look at the comments. Uh, Dave Harvey says, strange subs. Not sure why we seemed happy to take a point. Silly mistake by Bailey cost us the game. Yeah, look, as I say, I think it was featherlight touches. Their man goes down. It was just easy to see it. Um, and, and that was, that, that, that was like, as I say, I've, I've no qualms at them getting their penalty. I've no qualms with it because you see them given the whole time. You see the one, you see what Declan Rice did to Buendia given as well. And it wasn't given in this instance. And I just want to, like, as I say, one all was probably a fair result on the balance of play because of the amount of chances that West Ham had. We probably had some better chances in the form of Duran's chance at the very end. Ali Watkins won in the first half where uh, Ariola comes out and makes himself really big. And Watkins uh, didn't really have. Well, I'd have to watch it back, actually. I didn't even see a replay of it. But it felt like in the moment that all he could do was really get a shot in it. He didn't really have any opportunity to place it. But Ariola came out, made himself big. He made the second save then and, 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 and dived on it. You know, so we had two very good chances. But obviously, um, uh, West Ham, I think, had more chances. Uh, Max Max Cornet comes on in the second half and really plays on the, on the, last, uh, on the shoulder of the last defender, which... Um, was uh, how will I put it? Scary at times because of the amount of balls that went in over the top, and Corner ran onto them, and he was offside for two of those chances. But you know, it just shows that they had looked at the Leicester game and said, if we need to resort to this type, we can bring on somebody who's a bit faster than Ings and do what we need to do from that point of view. And Villa looked a small bit susceptible to it, albeit that they played that that when they went to that high line, albeit that they played that offside trap a small bit better. Um. Bertrand Troy came on, and I'm afraid to say I don't think I saw much more from Bertrand Troy than I did from Leon Bailey, and that was a bit of, that was a bit a bit disappointing because we've been waiting to see something 
I'm waiting to see him take the field, I suppose, since January, since he came back for the whole month of February. Um, and it just didn't happen. And when he came on today, he had, you know, he had a couple of, couple of uh, kind of round-the-corner passes and stuff like that that didn't work out. He had a couple of crosses that didn't work out. Um, but yeah, look, I can, I can, I can forgive him, I suppose, for um, for being a small bit ring rusty. But we're just not seeing, we're not seeing a level of consistency from that side of the field. Um, I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, obviously when John McGinn wasn't there, we're not seeing that level of consistency from that side of the field. And it's... uh... It, it it was noticeably where where attacks went to break down for Aston Villa because on the other side when Moreno was getting the ball in the first half we were we were crossing the ball in albeit we only did something from the cross for one of the uh, for, or from one of those crosses should I say but we were still getting joy down that left hand side um, and we could fashion space but on the right hand side everything just broke down almost immediately um, and we didn't really get much help down there we didn't really get much much of an opportunity and. I personally thought that the, the 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 change might have been bring Ashley Young on and put him in that wing position, put him out there so that at least he would be. Yes, you'd miss the pace from Bailey, and and to be honest with you, Bailey's pace is only an asset if he can get space. Number one and number two, if he's on song, because when he's not controlling the ball, his pace becomes a liability, um, because he just wants to run that ball as, as soon as he possibly can, um. So that's the frustrating part, I think, for me. That's the frustrating part is that I think we played well. I think we played all right in, in, in good parts of that game today, but it's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity, I think. Um and West Ham, do you know what? I'm sure if you go if you were to go on to the For the Love of Julian Dix podcast that's uh, that's probably airing somewhere here, I'm sure West Ham fans are going, it's a missed opportunity. This is a missed opportunity. And their penalty was a nailed on Stonewall penalty, and that Villa were parked in their own half for a good portion of that game. I'm sure they have all the same talking points that we have here. I'm sure they have all the same talking points here, just roles reversed, because that's the kind of game that it was. It was pro- it was a one-all draw, really. I say, I'm just taking my frustration out on the fact that, you know, you see it up and down the league at the moment. People don't know what VAR is going to come back with, and it was supposed to do exactly the opposite of that. It was supposed to standardise decisions almost. Not standardise them, but get to the right decision. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm just actually after seeing uh, a replay of 
the ball that went into John Duran and he just gets, he gets a shin to it more so than a leg. Doesn't really get great contact and it just kind of comes off him and goes, goes into Areola's hands. Um, that was unlucky from John Duran. Do you know what? He's every game he's come on. I, I must go back and look at the statistics. I'd say every game he's come on, he's won at least two, um, two balls in the air and flicked them on. He seems to be really good. And now I'd expect that from him because of his size and his build, but it's something that, you know, that's, that I'm finding a small bit noticeable about him in the minute, small minutes that he comes on. And that's that's interesting because, um, you know, Ollie Watkins, while he wants to be that type of striker, and he is fairly good in his hold-up play, um, albeit it was difficult for him today against three centre-halves, it's it, like... like I near like if if you were to almost withdraw him and play with like withdraw him into where Bailey was playing today and play um play John Duran up there and I know you don't want to be taking Bailey out of that position obviously he's the form striker and he's on he's on form but even if we were to rotate the two of them around in, in certain stages in a game like that it, you know I would like to see that at some stage obviously um Leon or Ali Watkins leading the line at one stage uh, leading the line Duran uh, playing off him for the main. But, you know, just to try and shake things up, I think that would be nice. Because you can't do that when you play Bailey up there. You can't do that when you play Bundy up there. You can't do that when you play Coutinho up there. And I think it might get Ollie Watkins into games more because, like, I haven't looked at any of the statistics in this game, but I would imagine if I was to look at it, I'd say Ollie Watkins probably, he might have had less touches than any other Aston Villa player, I would imagine. Um, I'm actually just going to bring it up here now so I can take a look at it. And that isn't criticizing Ollie Watkins. But how do we get him into the game more when, when he's in this rich rich vein of scoring? Uh, I think it's what I, that's what's going on in my mind at the moment. Um, because as I say, you you you're bringing in Bailey for that for that uh, pace threat, but it's just not evident. Um, and he's losing the ball as well. He seems to be losing the ball anyway. As I say, I haven't looked at, at any of the statistics on him. Um, so like Watkins had four shots today. Uh, how many touches did he have uh, throughout the whole? game so Watkins actually Watkins had 31 touches he had more touches than I thought and Bailey only had 28 touches in the game so I actually if I would have thought I thought that they had similar amount of touches but um I would have thought that Bailey had the 31 and Watkins had 28 but it's um I think trying to find ways of getting Watkins into the game a small bit more um would be beneficial for Villa because look as I say we've got an informed striker and um I, I just think that would be beneficial to our play Let's have a look at some of your comments there. I completely forgot uh, to go back to them. Danny Harvey says the fact that we would have been two points off seven if we won the game is infuriating. I, I'm, yeah. I, as I say, it's it's a missed opportunity for me. I think it is a missed opportunity. Um, a couple of things there with regards to. Sorry, everyone tell me I know audio, so I'm just scrolling past those if that's okay. Um Jimmy Lusain says disappointing game, lots of lots of good possession, not enough pressing for the goal and watching from Cyprus. Jimmy, why didn't you strap yourself to the runway so they couldn't take off from Cyprus and then we would have been awarded the game by forfeit? That's what you should have done, Jimmy. Do your bit for the team, will you? <laughs> I hope the weather is nice out in Cyprus because it's after lashing rain here in Ireland. So um, uh, I hope I hope uh, the weather is nice out there. A um, couple of comments there about Bailey. I think I've I've kind of mentioned an awful lot about Bailey there. Um, I don't want this to turn into like as I say, I, I'm I'm done kind of talking about him for tonight's podcast. I think because 
it as yeah jack says he wants to hear what paddy has to say about about leon bailey uh, paddy won't be on this podcast because he's gone to watch uh, ireland scotland directly after the game so um in the rugby so um uh, i'm doing this one on my own i'm taking one for the team um CC, this is something I agree with as well. And like, as I say, while I feel it's a missed opportunity, West Ham should not be going down. They've got some, like their, their team is way good enough to stay up. It's a, it's it's very, like it's a very, very competent team and should be staying up. They're, they're, as I said, they I, I still believe they're in a false position um, with, with some of the players that they have. Albeit, like even today, they did look a bit ponderous at times today as well. So I can understand why they're in the position they're in, but the players there will, I, I think that they, they're obviously out of, the, out of the drop zone now with this point today, but um, I think they're, they're joint uh, 24 points, I think with two other teams, if I remember rightly. Um, but I think that they have the players to pull themselves away from the drop zone zone too. But look, games are never won on paper. And, uh, and while you might have the best players in the world, you know, you still have to put in performances on the field. And 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 I think that West Ham fans will know that, albeit I think they'll be disappointed with the with today. I think if, as I say, if you watch the For the Love of Um Trevor Brooking podcast uh later on today, uh you're gonna see that they will feel that this is a missed opportunity for them as well. And I can completely understand that because of the chances that they had too, um uh for sure. Um Sorry there, guys. I'm just I'm relying on your comments here, but I'm just trying to find it. Literally every single comment is Bailey related. So I'm and I know I want to share your opinions and stuff like that, but I don't want this to become a, a consistent Bailey Bailey podcast. I do apologize. Um what do you guys do you guys think I'm over I'm overreacting about the penalty, you know? Uh, about Villa's penalty. I know some people will feel it wasn't a penalty. There's always people who will feel it isn't a penalty. I just want to know how many of you guys out there feel it, uh, feel it wasn't a penalty. I don't feel it was a stonewall penalty. Okay, just want to get that one straight. But I feel that there was as much in that from Declan Rice as there was in the Leon Bailey one, and I feel that the consistency was the issue. That's my gripe with it. That's my gripe um, with it. But I'd just be interested to see your, your opinions on them. Uh, like, uh, Sai says, we don't get those. Um, mm, uh, uh, where else are we? Mike Warnball says, neither was penalties. But if you give the first... You see, this is exactly it. This is my thing here. Is VAR looked at both of them. And had no problem with the first. And... I suppose maybe maybe I'm being inconsistent with that because did they just back the referee's decision in both in both instances? Maybe I'm thinking about it incorrectly. Maybe the maybe the directive is maybe maybe they've maybe they've just decided the clear and obvious is is exactly what they're going to ref to know. As in clear and obvious error by the by the by the referee. I don't know. I still don't know. But a couple of you guys uh, agree with me. Luke, uh, Luke Sever says that uh, the ref seemed to give us nothing all game. Um, uh, look, I, I, as I say, it's Villas was a pen. John, John says if, if ours was, theirs was. Stephen Wright says we don't get decisions because we surround the ref. 
Um, po- point of order on that one. How could Man United get decisions? I understand what you're saying. And I'm not sure. Like Paddy would have a completely different p- viewpoint than this. I know he will. So I feel I feel 110% confident in saying that Paddy says we should be around the ref. And Una Emery should be running in off the sideline, giving the ref bags of it. Because Paddy is a big believer that because the other teams do it, we should be doing it too. I think. But I just say that Man, Man, Man United would have done the same thing there. Uh, and they would have done it in like 96 all the way up through. I like I can imagine if this was Alex Ferguson was over that team, Rio Ferdinand would have been in the referee's face roaring at him there. Um if that penalty wasn't given. Um just uh, I hope that's not the reason, because other teams do it too, is what I would say. And they do get the get the, the, the decisions. Um uh, yeah, Rachel says uh, the one that was given against us, it should have been given if it was the same. Um, yeah, I think so. I think, look, I, I think that the, um, I think that the consensus here of the seven or eight tweets that I've seen or messages I've seen there from you guys is that, uh, is that, um, you know, it's, it, it you guys feel like me. If theirs is given, our one should be given, and it's the consistency of VAR that we're looking for, but we don't see that and we don't understand it. And I don't understand as a football fan, and I'm, I'm okay to, I, I'm fully. Happy to say that. And I understand people will think that neither of them should have been penalties. And I actually, I could agree with you on that as well. But one of them was given and one of them wasn't. And and uh, the justification for, for that, I think, is what I'm searching for more so than blaming a referee as such um, for us not winning. That's what I'm kind of looking for. Um, yeah, 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 I'm just seeing all, all the the um the similar comments in there as well. Uh, guys, I don't really know. Um, oh, where is it? When is uh, Patrick Hopkinson asked? When is my new Baba Jew? Um, yes. So I may have I may have let slip that there was. A, that I have I have another another one on the way coming soon and uh, put it this way. Uh, the new Bob will be here before the end of the season, so there may be an announcement whereby I may be taking a little secondment from the podcast for a week or two uh, when the baby does come along. But um, I'm going to get get over to Villa Park first. So if anybody is in and around Villa Park, or if anybody is going to Villa Park on the 8th of April for Villa and Nottingham Forest, yours truly will be there as well. So um, I'm looking forward to going over, and that could be my last Villa game for a couple of years, having two under two, having two kids under two, could curtail me slightly um, if the second one is anything like the first one for running around the place. Um, but yes, thanks for asking, Patrick. Patrick, and um, as I say, if anybody is over there, and, and we will we will endeavour to do a live team sheet tantrum from the stadium. And myself and Paddy, um, we'll try not to be as drunk as we were the last time we did that. Uh, <laughs> the last time we did that for Norwich last season. But uh, thanks for asking. Uh, Patrick, uh, where else are we? Uh, for the love of, for the love of Marco Boogers, yes, I was trying. You know what? I went through the two easy ones, but I was trying to come up with a very, very obscure uh, West Ham player. I was going for the love of Freddie Canute, for the love of, um, uh, yeah, love Would did Gary Penrose play with West Ham? I'm not sure. Did he play with him? I know he played with Villa, like, but did he play with West Ham? Anyway, 
that's a podcast for another day. For the love of John Munker, that would have done as well. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that you guys picked up on that, the fact that I went with two different players. Um, brilliant. Bit of levity to the situation anyway, at least. Paul O'Neill, thank you so much for that, Paul. I really, really, really appreciate that. Uh, your legend. And Matt, thank you so much. Based on today, what would, what, what do you change at the start versus Bournemouth? I bring in, I'm going to bring in John Duran. Um, or, or ideally Bubakar Kamara is fit, he slats back in and we go with the same midfielder Bundia up beside uh, beside Watkins. Because I think that's I think that's a good formula and it works well. Um, essentially what I'm saying is I would take Bailey out, out of the team again and I would bring in um, another attacking option. Apart from that, I think we're pretty solid. I wasn't I wasn't disappointed in many players that were out there today. Um, you know, I, I thought everybody like it was a hard shift. It was a hard game to play in, and we we under I I completely expected it to be a tough game to play in. Um, I didn't expect us to have as much possession as we did, and yes, we were we found it tough to break through. But remember, you're trying to break through a back five there as well. A, a, a lot of in a lot of situations, I know, um, that they're really a back three, but they are back five when they hunker down like that. And uh, we did it a couple of times in the first half. So based on today, I think I would just change the Leon Bailey swap out Leon Bailey for um for for a another. I think at that stage. Um. Yeah, and and Jimmy, this is a good this is a good uh, a good point as well. If I was a hammer, I'd be questioning why we did why they didn't get a penalty every time Bundia pulled things down for every set piece. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We we, you know, there was a lot. There was lots of hands from both sides inside there, and I think the referee lost control at corners. Now I'm not saying he should have started giving penalties at corners, but I think. I think it was very much a let it flow attitude from the referee there. And um, it, it suited us. It suited us, but we looked, we didn't look very good from corners, regardless of whether we were pulling players down or not. Um, we didn't look very suited to it. Um, Matt Allen, thank you so much for the super sticker, man. I really appreciate it. You're, you're an absolute gentleman. Thank you so much for that. Um, uh, 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 let's see what McDermott says. Interesting to see if he agrees. Okay, where else are we? Um, boom, 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 boom. Um, sorry, I'm relying on the comments, guys. So this is this is this make this is going to make for riveting stuff for the audio podcast. If anyone is listening back to audio, first of all, you'll have the first 10, 15 seconds or thirty seconds or so of the podcast absolutely mute, and the first word that you'll hear that will come from my voice from my mouth will probably be a swear word, which I might edit out actually because uh, um, a bit too close to the start of the podcast for my liking, especially if there's kids in the car anywhere. And then now you're going to hear me going bit a bit through the through the last ten minutes of the podcast as I've been reading through your brilliant comments. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, I and and to be honest with you, um, <laughs> I've seen some name suggestions, and Unai isn't. Uh, Una isn't a popular Irish name. I can see that in there. And thank you so much to everybody for your congratulations uh, as well. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it means a lot. Thank you very much. As Dave Bond says, bringing the future number 10 into the world. Um, number nine. Number nine, because uh, he's going to bring goals. He's going to bring more goals than a number 10 would. Um, <laughs> hopefully so. Um, look, I'm going to go, guys, because I feel like I'm waffling and rambling. We're going to be back on later on. Okay, for any of you that are that are up and that are that want to watch, we are going to do a watch along of match of the day 
just for the crack. And we're going to we're going to get Paddy to commentate on the game, on the highlights, the Villa highlights and match of the day, since there won't be any commentary on match of the day. It's a bit of crack, and we're going to do it tonight. So watch out on social media. Myself and Paddy will be here. We will uh, we'll, we will give you the, the match of the day experience if that is something that you are looking for. And as I say, it's it's going to be a small bit of crack later on. And plus, I want to hear what Paddy's thoughts were on the game as well because he's been missing. Uh, he's been in MIA while he goes watching the egg chasing. So... Um, we're going to do that later on. Uh, stream isn't up because we want we weren't sure whether we we're going to do it. We wanted it to be a bit of a surprise, so we'll I'll pop a stream up in in uh, in on Twitter and on YouTube. And if you guys are around and you want to join and you want to bring a bottle of beer or something like that or whatever else, um, then we can then we'll be delighted to have you. So we'll see you then later on this evening for match of the day, and we'll do a little bit of a watch along and get Paddy to provide commentary of the game for you. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us then. So with that, I'm going to sign off. Thanks so much to the 300 odd people who watched today. I really, really appreciate it. You mean that means the world the people actually care about what we have to say, uh, especially when some of it is a bit ranty after a game like that. So I appreciate all of you guys helping me to calm down, number one, and to rationalize my thoughts sometimes because that's what I find these podcasts do for me. And I hope you guys feel the same as well. Hopefully I don't work you up into a ladder where we do these post-match podcasts. But thanks so much, everybody. Really appreciate it. We'll see you later. Stay safe, stay healthy. And as always, all that's left to say is up the villa.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.